Welcome to episode 47 of Kneel Before Odd. I'm Audrey Kearns, and thanks for listening wherever and whenever you are. I have a treat for you today. I just got back from Emerald City Comic Con in Seattle, which was just an absolute blast. It's a fantastic con. I can't wait to go back. And I recorded a live booze and phasers podcast there, which is available right now. And I recorded a Neil Before Odd, which you're about to listen to with Lauren Shippen, the creative force behind the popular science fiction audio drama, The Bright Sessions. I chatted with Lauren about the characters and story of the Bright Sessions, which I find absolutely fascinating, but I also talked with her about her creative process, which I think that you'll find very inspiring. Everyone's process is different and unique, and Lauren's journey is no exception. Please don't forget to check out geekgirlauthority.com for all your pop culture and geek culture news. You can also listen to my other podcasts, Booze and Phasers, Five Truths and a Lie, And you can find those on geekgirlauthority.com, iTunes, or Blog Talk Radio. Like I said just now, I recorded a booze and phasers at ECCC, and our topic was best androids, robots, and AIs. It was a lot of fun. Our guests were the 4400's Kai Erickson and Nikki Griffin from The Fast and the Furious. Also, head on over to iTunes or Blog Talk Radio to give Neil Before Odd a rating and a review if you are so inclined. I'd be ever so grateful for your support on this podcast. All right, time for you to enjoy my podcast. So have fun on your walk, your workout, your commute, your cleaning, whatever you're doing right now as you listen to episode 47 of Neil Before Odd with the Bright Sessions, Lauren Shippen. Internet, heed this call. Open your minds and ears and prepare yourselves to kneel before all. Hey there, and welcome to episode 47 of Kneel Before Odd, the show where I interview geek patriots. Today, I am recording this podcast at Emerald City Comic Con in Seattle. My guest is the writer and producer of the uber popular podcast, The Bright Sessions, Lauren Shippen. Thanks for joining me, Lauren. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Excellent. How, how's your con so far? You've had, um, so it is Friday mm-hmm. as of this recording, yes. and you've been here since Wednesday night. Yes. So how's it been going? It's been great. This is only my second con, um, Dragon Con, where we met. Is, That's where we met, yeah. very first con. Um, so it's still kind of like new and shiny and sensory overload-ish. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, I, I think my favorite thing about Dragon Con that I'm loving about this con as well is just seeing all the cosplay. Right. It's just, it's amazing the creativity that people have and the mastery of, I'm not a crafty person. Yeah. Other than names. So Sometimes like, I'm almost like, I see a costume that's so awesome that it almost makes me want to do cosplay. I know, <laughs> me too. I'm like, oh But yeah, then I, I think, think of the work. Yeah, that I have to do. Like I just I just met these these two people who did a how to train your dragon cosplay oh, and their cool. costumes looked professionally made and they had made them themselves and like incredible leather yeah. work and I mean it's just astounding. Well, you know, what's so great and this is probably something we'll get into later in the podcast is that you know, with everything that's available on the internet, you can really teach yourself how to yeah. do anything, you know? And if you've got that raw talent in you anyway at creating costumes or whatever, all you got to do is find the right tutorials and pretty soon you're off to the races. It's so true. You know? And yeah. um, I just felt bad when I saw the skimpy cosplayers in the rain because it is cold right it now and cold. rainy and duh, it's Seattle. Yeah, exactly. But still, I was surprised. You know what else I was surprised about? Um, we're sitting in my hotel room. 
at the Grand High in Seattle. And you can't see it. I don't think you can see out the window, Lauren. It's just like mm. some roof. There's a roof right outside the yeah, window. Yeah, yeah, And I opened the curtains today, and there was, I swear they got over a dozen seagulls just staring at me. <laughs> oh, no. And I was like, first of all, I wasn't, I was like, duh, we're by the sea. Yeah. But I wasn't expecting to see seagulls, like, like in looking in urban your window. <laughs> setting, looking at me. And I felt like they were trying to warn me. <laughs> so they, I'm not sure what it is yet. If I figure it out, I will text you. <laughs> I Yes, please let me know. I, 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 I want to know what the seagulls know. <laughs> yes, they got to know something. <laughs> Very uh, knowing look in their eyes. Exactly. Or the dead look in their eyes. Exactly. One oh. of the two. I love the sound of seagulls, and I cannot stand seagulls as birds like I I I get that in New York and there are seagulls everywhere all the time which is weird but I the sound always reminds me of like going to Jones Beach in the summer but I have this one time I was eating a sandwich on Jones Beach and a seagull just grabs the entire thing out of my hands they can be bitches yeah they're real mean and they can be super dirty yes that's the thing so you close your eyes you get a sense memory of the beach mm-hmm. and the salty air, mm-hmm. and that's awesome. But then you open your eyes and they're still in your sandwich and pooping. Exactly. Yeah. yeah it's not I totally understand you. <laughs> Thank I, you. I, I, I appreciate you. that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Lauren, I start every podcast with the very same question, and I'm going to pose that to you right now. Okay. What is your nerd origin story? So, I think my sort of beginning in in nerddom was uh, in fantasy series. And so when I was, this was like before Harry Potter and everything, and Harry Potter has been very formative in my life. But before that, um, my sister had been reading this book, she's three years older, called The Lost Years of Merlin by T.A. Barron. Okay. And she loved it, and so she gave it to me. And I think maybe, it was like one of the first sort of significant chapter books that I ever read. Uh-huh. Um, it's kind of like a middle grade young adult um, retelling of Merlin. And he it, he's known as Emrys, and he lives in Wales, and he goes blind. And he, I don't know this book. It's it's beautiful. And it's, it's part of a five-book series. Uh-huh. And um, I picked it up when I was maybe six or seven and just completely fell down the rabbit hole yeah. of Merlin legend. And then when Harry Potter came out and our grandparents gave us a copy because their local bookstore, amazing local bookstore, was like, this oh, book just came cool. out. It's fantasy. Your kids will like it or your grandkids. And I, you know, my parents or my grandparents said, like, this is a story about a wizard that the, our bookstore thought you would like. I just was so in already because I already loved wizards. Who doesn't love a wizard? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, so all that coming of age fantasy stuff is really where I started. Did, when did that, um, so that, you know, so you kept up with the fantasy. Mm-hmm. When did that like turn into enjoying like a science fiction and other genre stuff? I think that was sometime in high school. Yeah. Um, because I'm trying to think of what the first sort of sci-fi show um, my sister's best friend from high school was really into Buffy and Angel oh, yes. and yes, all yes. the Joss Whedon stuff. So she introduced us to Angel and I got really into uh-huh. that in like freshman year of high school. And then Netflix mm-hmm. became a thing and my parents signed up for it. Right. And they weren't really using it. I think they signed up for it because they thought it would, you know, save the trip to Blockbuster. And so I just used it to binge watch The X-Files. Oh, that's a great one to binge. Which is like, great. Yeah, and yeah. was so frustrating also because... You know, this was before you could really find streaming on the internet, legally or otherwise. And so I was only able to watch eight episodes at a time because that's what the DVDs Oh, had. that's right. I do remember that. episodes that on each phase, DVD. That phase of Netflix. Mm-hmm. Like, I think we did... I think we did The Wire that way, that TV show, oh, The Wire. yeah. And um, we had the two discs a month. Exactly. And, and if you so for, did we. But if you get lazy one day and don't send it back 
and then you realize that you're done with all your episodes, it's it's a painful couple days. Yeah. And you have to make sure to cue it, you know, yeah, so that when yeah. they get one, they send one to you. But it was yeah. so it took me probably about a year and a half to binge watch all the X Files, which now uh-huh. I could do in two weeks. Right, right, right. <laughs> but yeah, that was really the, then that got me into Battlestar Galactica and right. into Twin Peaks and into kind of that whole like sort of early '90s through the mid 2000s. Yeah. There's no escaping. Yeah, by that point, where, where did you grow up? I grew up in New York. Um, yeah, so I was born in Manhattan and then grew up primarily. Oh, so um, New York City, not just New York yes, State, but New yeah, York City. Yeah, so we lived there for a couple, the first couple of years of my life. And then actually I was in the Bay Area for kindergarten through second grade. And then came back to the suburbs of New York. And um, yeah, I grew up there and really, really small high school. So, um, and you know, very, very small town. So when I wasn't going to the city to go to music concerts and stuff, because that was kind of my other big hobby in high school, I was just sort of watching The uh-huh. X-Files and right. West Wing in my room. <laughs> so those are your, well, those are basically your two nerddoms right there. So the genre stuff and music. Yes. I, I read that you have a, um, that that you have a degree in music. Is that correct? I do. Yes, yeah, okay. I have a degree in music. Um, I thought for a time that I was going to, um, you know, go and do musical theater, because I am uh-huh. totally a Broadway baby. I My parents are really into musical theater and uh-huh. sort of, you know, I've been going to, to shows since I was a kid. Very, very fortunate right. to live right next to New York City. Uh-huh. Um, and I then thought that maybe that was a little unrealistic. So I got into sort of more pop music and the idea of like maybe music journalism. And so my music degree was sort of focused on um, some performance stuff with voice, but then a lot of uh, 20th century um, American ethnomusicology, so like the study of music and how it relates to society. Oh, that's fascinating. Which was so much fun. I got to write, you know, about like hip hop and black nationalism or like feminism and cover songs, like uh-huh. kind of whatever I wanted to. And it was a lot of fun. Oh, wow. that That's fantastic. And where'd you go to college? Where'd you? William and Mary. William and Mary. Virginia. Yeah. In Virginia. Um, so when you left, were you, so you're doing musical theater stuff where you're studying it. Mm-hmm. Were you doing um, like any straight acting, any, any, Theater, contemporary realism that's not musical theater? At yeah, that time? absolutely. Um, I did like a bunch of student productions and then there mm-hmm. was a, you know, a Shakespeare company and I did that. Um, I did, uh, yeah, like a, a little bit of um, like, you know, film stuff, but I, I really hadn't done any film until I got out to LA. What brought you to LA? Um, a job at WME, actually, because somehow by the end of college, I'd sort of come around and decided uh-huh. that TV was yeah. a, an area of entertainment that I loved right um because it's sort of in my mind like the best of both worlds where uh you know I love film and I love books and I especially love book series I love when I can stay with a character for a long time and TV lets you do that so I thought maybe I would be in development or produce or something like that um and everybody I sort of knew who lived out in LA or was in the industry said you know you start an agency and then figure out how the industry works and then get a job at a studio etc etc so I, I interviewed over my spring break in senior year of college and then got a job at WME and moved out to LA and was there for four months and then said, Oh, really? Yeah. And then was sort of like, you know what? I'm really out here because I love acting and that's, yeah. that's I miss it I so don't want to be on the other side. Exactly. Like I thought I did. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. And so then I, I, I left and, and uh, became a personal assistant for a time and just focused on acting. And then that somehow got me into podcasting. It's been kind of a circuitous journey. That's fantastic. You know, you, you don't, no, I, that's great. And just going going with it. Yeah. You know? Um, so you came out, you worked for WME. Then to pursue your acting, what, what, what did you do? Did you start taking classes and meeting people that way? Yes. Yeah. I, Which, uh, by the way, if you're an actor out there, that really is the best way. It is. To go. 
about it. The most important thing. You'll meet friends for life. Yes. And you'll meet creative people that inspire you. Yeah. And it's, yeah. I would not be anywhere in yeah. my life, you know, just even like personally without um, two classes that, I, I, that I've taken. I, you know, spent sort of the first six months auditing different studios mm-hmm. and taking some different classes here and there. Um, and then I found uh, the BGB studio in North Hollywood. Yeah. And that's where the majority of the Bright Sessions cast has come from. Oh, that is fantastic. Yeah. I and love that. I, it is just such a great community and it's really, they're focused on the, the work and being truthful, but they, you know, are also kind of in your corner when it comes to career stuff and mm-hmm. they will tell you how to, you know, best go about the business side of things. Um, and then I took a class at UCB because I thought, even though I'm not really a comedic actor, I thought, you know, improv is important to do. For, yeah, and for any artist, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I think it's good for yeah. kind of just anybody. It's yeah. just good for anybody who's dealing with people in absolutely. any capacity. Um, and I met uh, Anna Laurie, who plays Chloe on the podcast, and who's now one of my best friends. We met in that. And then I met a bunch of other people who I've worked with and just stayed friends with. And I, it really... It's a life changer. Yeah, it is. It it's really, really is. It's yeah. been, I've been very, very grateful to have found the people yeah. that I've found. When I think of the people that I'm still in touch with, I've started taking classes with, and where we've all come, like in our own separate careers and also what we've done together, yeah. it's just like I'm so thankful I walked out of the house that day. Yeah, exactly. You know, kind of, of these thing. acting classes yeah. or like improv? Uh, um, both. You know, I, um, I've talked about this on my podcast before. I have... Um, obsessive compulsive disorder uh, very functional very low on the spectrum and everything um, but I am surrounded by improvisers my husband's a comedy writer he's a television right. writer he worked for Mad TV and oh great and, and, and um, all my friends from back in Orlando at, uh, I did a, a very popular sketch comedy show back in Florida oh, cool. with a group called Discount Comedy Outlet that was um super big in the Southeast. And um, uh, it was great, you know, give me a character or, or, or sketch, you know, I, I, I can do it. And I'm a very funny person, but have me think on my feet. It's very hard for somebody that's in their head. Like yeah. Me. Oh, yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? For I didn't think go, about that. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd like to know everything ahead of time. Yes. You know, if I'm in the moment with a script and something happens and I have to improvise, I'm totally fine with it. Oh, man, I'm so with you. <laughs> you know, but um, making myself take the improv classes were very beneficial just for myself and um for all the work I've had you know whether I was doing a hosting gig or whether I was you know temping it's it's very very helpful and plus I get to um every once in a while joke around with with the improvisers in my life which are which are many yes very 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 (laughs) then you get the victory yeah I can do this too too. (laughs) and I love I also love which I'm sure you do as well um you know, when my friends are doing a bit or mm-hmm. I'm at an improv show, seeing the machinations. Yes. You know, I, I enjoy seeing, oh, I know what they're, what, how they did that and stuff like that. And then yeah. some, it's still magic, don't get me wrong. Absolutely. Yeah. But but it is fun to sort of see behind the curtain and say, oh, I, 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 I kind of get yeah. where you're going, where you're going and where you're coming from. And I see the through line of your thought process. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Let's get to the bright sessions. Yes. Um, I'm a big fan. Oh, Lauren. thank you so much. I had never listened. I hadn't listened to it until we met. And I also didn't listen to it after we met. It was <laughs> Fair um, enough. No, I had your card. I had your business card. And um, I was like, it was on my list of things mm-hmm. to do. And then I put a call out um, for my website, Geek mm. Girl Authority for Contributors. And I had this one girl that was just obsessed with podcasts. And she's just like, do you have space on your site for podcasts? I was yeah. like, absolutely. I don't have that media covered at all. First thing straight out of the get, I said, do a top five list. I'm really, because I, I was interested in serialized fiction. Yeah. I was like, do it. It was kind of benefiting me. Yeah. Do a top five. Yeah. Stuff. yeah. <laughs> and number one was the Bright Session. I remember that. I was so happy yeah. to see us on there. Yeah. I love your site. And I was yeah. like, oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, there. I wonder if Lauren thinks that I put her, since we met. But no, this was somebody 
from another state oh. who I had never met before who who just loved the Bright Sessions. I was like, oh, I got it. I definitely have to listen to it. And actually, that was one of our – that post wasn't put up to late September, early October, mm-hmm. and it was um, our biggest post of 2016. And it's still now here in March is our biggest post of 2017 no so far. Yeah, because it's such a wonderful new medium. And it's yes. not even a yeah. new medium. But people are – But fi- it's booming. But, but the fiction part of it kind of is. Yes, exactly. And it is booming. So people are going to Google and say best – you know, yeah. fiction podcasts and our our thing is coming up and, oh, and that's awesome. And anyway, let me um I'm gonna read the, uh, your description of the Bright Sessions from your okay. from, from your website for our listeners. Uh, the Bright Sessions is a science fiction podcast that follows a group of therapy patients, but these are not your typical patients. Each has a unique supernatural ability. The show documents their struggles and discoveries as well as the motivations of their mysterious therapist, Dr. Bright. So um for me the the, the first few episodes are presented as um well, they are as therapy sessions. Mm-hmm. In fact, many of the episodes are. Yeah. But um, as the listener gets deeper and deeper into the episodes, uh, this clever conspiracy becomes apparent. And the characters from the separate sessions, their through lines become intertwined and an adventure starts to play out. It's it's funny that you meant, met, uh, said um, X-Files earlier, Lauren, because I've written down to me it was X-Files meets X-Men. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, I love that description. Yeah, you know, and <laughs> so the government. Yeah, so the listener, and I'm talking once again about myself here, <laughs> gets attached to these group of uh, atypicals. Atypical being the word used to describe the folks with the abilities, and the listener also gets worried for them as they continue on their journey. I mean, it's just flat out good storytelling. Congrat- Thank you. Congratulations. But um, how? Tell me the birth of the idea. So um, I. Fiction podcasting is it was fairly new to me. Um, I mean, this is the first time I've ever tried to write. I mean, well, it's actually it's the first script I've ever written. I've only ever tried to write you know short stories mm-hmm. or books, things like that. Um, but I was do, uh, doing a short film up in Angels National Forest back in like the spring of 2014, and I it was our you know call time every day was at like 4:30 a.m. So I had to get up there. You know, I was I would leave my house at like two thirty in the morning. Oh wow! For, this is for like a whole cow. week, and I like couldn't really handle like music at the time or the news. Right. And I'd been hearing about the show Welcome to Night Vale. It had been recommended to me on ah, Tumblr and stuff. A, and I was like, okay, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna give this a try because it might like you know kind of keep my interest enough that I'm not gonna fall asleep at the wheel. Uh-huh. And it was the perfect thing because Cecil Baldwin's voice is so beautiful. <laughs> I'm surprised I didn't put you to sleep. Well, well, because right. it's so it's perfect, so soothing, it's so perfect. But then there's sort of this. Un- yeah. like weirdness to it and dispersions yeah. music and it just I totally fell in love and then I listened to the um their episode a story about you which is still one of my favorite episodes mm-hmm. that I've done um and I just was hooked and then one of my friends from college my college roommate Katie um got me into Cabin Pressure which is mm-hmm. a BBC Radio 4 comedy with um I haven't Roger listened to that one. it is so funny it's written by Jonathan Amore and it's 26 episodes it's about this um this private jet crew and it's just goofy and there's uh-huh. great wordplay and it's we're you know it's a big BBC production recorded in front of a live audience um and 30 minute episodes kind of more like a traditional sitcom format and I was just listening to these two shows kind of driving around in LA traffic and I mean you know like sitting there and just thinking to myself like huh, like there must be a sort of a middle ground where it's like, where it's not just one person talking to a microphone, but it's not this huge right. thing. Um, and I, I'd been, you know, auditioning a lot and kind of frustrated by a lot of the roles that were being put in front of me, particularly for like being a woman in her 20s. It's not, you know, 
there's not a bunch, it's not a rich area. Right. It's becoming better. Try being a woman in your 40s. <laughs> right. Just I mean, wait, Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> the roles really disappear. <laughs> but it's like all of the roles are sort of like, oh, you know, she's the love interest for the male lead yes. or she's yeah. the girl next door. It's like that's, you know. Yeah. So yeah. I was just like, I, I want to do something that's going to keep my attention. I, I, I figure this is something that I can do just by myself, um, you know, and maybe do a bunch of different voices or whatever. Um, and the character of Sam, who I play in the podcast, who's She's this... She's a time traveler, right? Yeah, yeah, time traveler with anxiety, um, who just had sort of kind of popped up into my head. And she went through a bunch of different iterations before coming to time travel, mm-hmm. but she was always sort of this, like, anxious agoraphobe because I've struggled with anxiety my entire life. Right. And kind of, it, you know, was reaching a point where it was becoming very bad and I needed to push it into something else. Uh-huh. And I, I, I couldn't quite find the hook. I was like, I need to... They can't just be audio journals of her because I don't really want to listen to myself talk for, right, you know, ten right. minutes and 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 so I thought, oh, well, I can I can have her talk to a therapist, and I, I remember so vividly I was like on Santa Monica and La Cienega, like just sitting in traffic, and I was like, oh, she should talk to a therapist. And then I was like, oh, well, what if the therapist's patients so are all weird? Then all of a sudden it just opened the gates. Yes, yeah, it was like just dominoes of like all of a sudden oh, all the other fantastic. characters kind of fell into place, and then like who's this therapist? How did she get into this thing where all of her patients are these weird people with these weird abilities? And it just kind of, I, I sat on it for about a year and then finally just... Oh, that's so typical. That, that's right? so, that's, that's, I'm really glad you said that because I think a, a lot of artists do that for whatever reason, yeah. whether anxiety, yep. whether it's motivation, whether it's some kind of block, you know, you have these great ideas and, and to hear that you sat on it and mm-hmm. still came back to it exactly. is very inspiring. Thank you. Yeah, it was, it was, I think it, it really is proof that like... I mean, because I wrote the pilot script pretty much right after I got out of the car after that uh. car ride, um, and that script actually didn't really change very much from when I wrote it um, and when you know what the, the the episode that you hear, and I sent it you know to my sister and to a couple writer friends and they gave me good notes and stuff um, and I just sort of remember thinking like, well you know what like I don't want to play both characters and like nobody's gonna want to do this with me and like no one's really gonna listen to this I I and I'm not a writer I can't do this mm-hmm. so I just sat in it and yeah. eventually I sort of got to a point where um I the, the the following spring got really sick and couldn't audition and stuff and so then I got to the summer and I was like I have nothing on the horizon I'm gonna revisit right. this and just sort of out of sort of frustration <laughs> wrote was, the first nine episodes do you think that you put it aside because of um uh, you didn't have confidence in it or totally. this is another one of my ideas that nobody's going to want to listen to. Is that why you kind of brushed it away? Absolutely. It was definitely like, this is just because I like writing this doesn't mean that it's any good. It's sort oh, of that I, like, God. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I, I like, and sort yeah. of who am I to be doing this? Like I'm not, like I have no experience right. creative writing. I've never taken a creative writing class. Like, you know, I sort of felt like a, like an imposter and yeah. particularly being in LA and being surrounded by friends who are writers and who mm-hmm. have degrees in writing right. and, and are doing these really interesting scripts and I had no idea how to write a script. Yeah. I, and I was just, I, I just didn't think that I could do it. Once again, it's just like what we said about cosplay. Exactly. The internet is a great tool. And the great yes. thing about podcasting and sites like Tumblr and stuff like that is that all these people that maybe just needed a little nudge mm-hmm. to get out there and do something? Yeah, the whole the world is wide open for you because so you'd never written before, and I believe you had you didn't know much about podcasting. Is that true? As far as like um, recording and I knew you, just uh, you've written and directed all thirty three episodes. Yes, everything. Yes, yes, yeah. And I and I uh, did all of the sound for the um, first sixteen episodes. Um, and then we have our amazing sound designer Misha, who uh, was came that a big on. weight off your shoulder? Oh my god! <laughs> they 
or my hero. I mean, it, it's just been it, they they make another podcast called Ars Paradoxica. That's another oh, science okay. fiction yes, podcast. Yes, 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 yes. That was also on one of our lists. Yes, yes amazing also, yeah. podcast. Yeah. Um, they do time travel much better than we do, <laughs> which is a joke sort of between me, and Misha, and Daniel, the other writer. Um, and they reached out because. They reached out to you. Yeah, they reached out to me because I, I, we had done sort of a season two announcement after our first season was sort of saying like, oh, it was our Patreon announcement. And we was like, we're going to be on Patreon right. and, you know, here's the, our goals that like we would like to pay our actors. We want to hire a sound designer. And they heard this announcement and said, I'm a sound designer. I live in LA. I make this podcast. I would love to do this with you. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> Which has just been amazing. So you put it, that's another lesson. I feel like this whole, so far this interview is about lessons for artists. <laughs> is, is not being afraid to put it out there. Yes. And you to know? say like, I like, this is not my strength. You yeah. know, like I, like I'm doing the best that I can. And I mean, to talk about the internet and like there's, I watched so many YouTube tutorials because I had, I kind of knew how to put a podcast out there because I had a radio show in college about music where I just kind of, you know, talked okay, about music. Okay, so you had a little bit. I had a little bit of experience. Yeah. It's sort of like, I know levels and I know how to right, export right. a thing and put it on, you know, <laughs> Libsyn and submit it to yeah, iTunes and right. that whole thing. Um, although my, my college radio show is not on iTunes. Don't go looking for it. It's buried <laughs> in the annals of Mixcloud. Um, and, but I mean, in terms of sound editing, I didn't, I didn't know how to do Foley. I didn't know mm-hmm. how to do any of that noise gates. All that kind yeah. of stuff was so mysterious to me. And I just, yeah, I just Googled. I applaud <laughs> you for that. Cause, um, I have sat down a couple times to teach myself how to edit, and my best friend, Matt, who's audio producer for all my podcasts, Neil Before Odd, Booze and Phasers, Five Truths and Lie, he's one of our partners, and everything, anything that has to do with sound, he does, and that includes, like, really hard, because his hands move so fast across the keyboard <laughs> if he's cutting something, and I'm just like, what? Because when he tried it, because he's, he's, I love you, Matt, if you're listening, but you're not the best teacher because he goes so, right. so fast. He just knows he, what he's doing. Like, I have no idea. It's, it's, like, it's, it's like magic. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to let him know. I'm going to go teach myself. That way I can send him the rough edits already done and he could just make them sound yes. good. Yeah. You know? And then as soon as I did that, my husband bought me this new soundboard that uh, I just showed you before <laughs> we started recording. And now I have to, because I had learned in GarageBand, which is what I was using. Gotcha. But now, um, which I know now that you really shouldn't use GarageBand for <laughs> podcasts. I get it now. Um, but but now I'm, I, I still want to learn. So I mean, I applaud you because that is not an easy thing. And on top yeah. of writing and directing and casting and all of that and scheduling and doing the publicity and doing it's, all that. Honestly, Lauren. the scheduling, the publicity is like the thing that I'm like, I would love for somebody else to do yeah. this. I, think I mean, I think what's, what's difficult is like with the sort of publicity and the social media mm-hmm. stuff is that because I've been the person behind that curtain for so long, it's like, I love interacting with fans and I love answering their questions and talking to them that I I wouldn't really want to, you know, pass it off to somebody else, like an assistant or something, because I mm-hmm. love being that voice. But scheduling is the bane of my existence. I just, you know, because now we have a cast of about um, 13 actors, and then, we've, uh, you know, Misha sometimes will come to record. I still do most of the recording, and then I also... Um, I do what what you've been doing with Matt, where I'll, I'll edit together the dialogue and then send it to Misha, and they'll do all of the sound design and the mastering and the sound effects. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just yeah, coordinating you know eight people's schedules is it's no easy. It's, it's yeah, it's no easy feat. <laughs> um, I do want to talk about the show, but I'm so fascinated yeah. with uh, 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 getting it done. Um, do do you struggle with um, 
you know, I, I struggle with this with geekgirlfor.com where mm -hmm. I'm not writing as much as I used to because mm -hmm. of everything on the back end that I have to do. Do you find that you're having trouble um, making time to be creative and to write the episodes because of all this other, because you all of a sudden you guys bl blew up. Yeah. You're one of the top podcasts of 2016. Yeah, which and is there, crazy. Yeah, so there's a lot to juggle. Is it, Are you having a hard time finding? Absolutely. Yeah, it yeah. is. It is really hard. And like, I think particularly the past couple months have been really tricky because like as you said like we had an amazing kind of like December where we got named on like best of 2016 by like iTunes and a bunch of other people and, and our listenership kind of shot up and we got you know invited to this and there are other some other events coming up that like I'm really excited to be a part of and and just like a, sort of a bunch of things snowballing um and our patrons doing well we opened a merchandise store and it's just sort of all those things all of a sudden you know I was like sitting in my parents kitchen kitchen over Christmas and I, my plan was to have the rest of season three written by the end of December so that right. we could go into the new year and just record and just, right. it would be, you know, I could focus on other things and start on some other projects. And I get to end of December and I'm like, I'm just, just doing budgets and just doing yeah. admin. And I was like, oh, okay, this is, this is what being a small business owner is. You're absolutely right. Like this You're is, this is right. this. And then finally, like I kind of, I got back or I, I mean, I, I extended my trip in New York mm -hmm. actually, um, and that ended up being a great thing because I had, because nobody knew that I was staying in New York, I kind of didn't tell many people that I was staying. So it's like the, all the social obligations of like seeing family and friends kind of right. went away and all right. the holiday craze was over. And then my parents left and I was just dog sitting. So kind of in that week, I was just like, okay, this is about the puppies and then writing and that's yeah. it. And that's all I'm doing. And you're it. able and to be disciplined and sit down. Well, obviously. To an extent. To an extent. You know, it's like I, I find myself. Like I'll have an idea and I'll, I'll, I'll like go in or I'll, I'll know that there's a scene that I need to work on, episode I need to work on, and I'll go into it and I sort of, you know, fuss around for two lines for an hour. And then at 11 p.m. I'll be like, I got it. And I'll write the whole thing in an hour. And it's it's just, it's fits and starts. And I it's being more disciplined about writing and, and finding the groove, you know, yeah. of like when you're like, oh, the inspiration hits, I'm going to ride this wave. Sort of, I, I don't want to say I want to force myself into that, but I want to be able to tap into that easier, right? You know, and not just be like, oh, well, I'm just going to write whenever inspiration comes because that's not well. That's uh, that's sustainable. Actually, that's <laughs> it's also the wrong way to go about it. Yes. Sometimes, I mean, you have to sit, even if you're just barfing something onto your yep. computer screen. Well, not literally. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you you do have to. Yeah, you just wait get something out there because you can talk yourself out of inspiration. Yeah, you know, <laughs> very true. So, um. The first episode went up in 2015. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, when did when was the moment where you're like, "Holy crap, this has taken off"? Was it in the first season or in the second season? It was in the second season, definitely. Our our seasons are sort of arbitrary yeah. um, when you're listening to it. There's not a huge difference in terms of like the story sort of just continues. Yeah. There's a big time jump between um, episode 24 and episode 25, which is our the end of our season two and beginning of season three, but. Um, Season one technically is just the first nine episodes, and that was just from a production standpoint because right. it was just me and three other actors, and we just recorded that in the fall of of 2015, then released it in November, and it was something that we, you know, when I invited the actors on to do it, like their um, Anna Laurie, who I met at UCB, and then Brigham Snow and Julia Morizawa, who I met at BGB Studio, and they were good friends and actors who I admire, and it was just sort of a thing that we were like, we'll do this for fun, and we'll yeah. see. It's low maintenance doesn't take very much time to record there's not a like prep you know and and these were already written before you had approached them to yes come? yeah okay. the first nine were written and I sent yeah. them to them and just sort of said like 
please say yes to this because these are the you are the people that I've had in mind for these characters and oh that's that's nice so you already had like uh, their voices in your head when you were writing yeah which was really really helpful um and then and you know things still change once you get them in the room and we I kind of expected to just do the first nine episodes and I was hoping like okay well maybe a couple thousand people listen in the first season we'll continue to do it but we actually all just had a really good time doing it so we just were like we're just gonna do this because because it's fun and then somewhere sort of in the middle of season two, um, I, so this would have been like last spring, probably April, May, June of, of 2016, it just had gotten enough momentum and sort of Tumblr had gotten hold of it in a way that it was it was finding an audience there. And then um, a couple sort of like bigger people tweeted out about us. Yeah. You know, it's like like Jeffrey Craner from Welcome to Nightfall tweeted out, like just that he was listening. And so then that brought a ton of people uh, of on. Of course. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Um, yeah. And we got our first iTunes feature in June. And that was then it was sort of just like off to the races. And yeah. I I just remember being in I Anna and I, um, who who plays Co in the podcast, we won first class tickets to London. What? <laughs> just like one of the weirder things that's happened to me in the past couple of years. But so we were in London over um actually like during Brexit, which was interesting oh, last wow. summer. And I just remember sort of like being it was so weird sort of being it separated. It was the universe from, setting you up for for later in the exactly. year. Exactly. <laughs> prepping, prepping me for what was to come. Yeah. Um, and it was really interesting sort of like being there and kind of being on this vacation and seeing the iTunes feature and the traction we were getting from that and being like, oh, I'm going to get back to LA and this is going to be a much, much bigger part of my life. Wow. So that was that was really exciting. And now basically it is. I mean, I still work um, remotely from home to pay my rent, but like in terms of the hours that I spend, mm-hmm. right, sessions is fully a, a, a full-time job. Right. Um, so you play Sam, mm-hmm. um, who is the time traveler uh, with uh, anxiety, and then mm-hmm. there's 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 Chloe, mm-hmm. who is um, uh, she can read people's minds. Yes. Right. And Caleb, who's an empath, mm-hmm. and then Damien, who's an asshole. And <laughs> <laughs> <His> official name. <laughs> He's an asshole. Um, he just uh, is he he can convince you how would you explain him to do things he can impose his desire on other people so if he's sitting in a room with you and he wants you to um get up and sing a song you'll Mm -hmm. do it because and you'll want to do it yeah so it's not mind control but it's 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 um mind manipulation it's it's great influence basically right Right. and uh dr bright Mm -hmm. um is a therapist who who has put a call out basically that she is taking patience for the strange and unusual. Mm-hmm. So people, but then you find out that there is actually an evil corporation government thing going on as you do. Yes. As every, yes, as, as you do. <laughs> but, but you know, I talk about tropes a lot and, and cause I, I, some people throw around that word, that word thinking, mm-hmm. you know, it's just another trope. I think tropes are great. I do too. It's what you do with them. Yeah. Can you make something new? It's yep. like, you know, Every story to me, this is Audrey talking, not I, you know, so you can don't have to believe me. But I always think, you know, every story that's ever been told was told in Greek tragedy or by Shakespeare. Absolutely. You know, and it's just, it's just. There are only six stories, that whole thing. Exactly. And it's it's actually kind of, that's a trope saying that. You know, what what I'm trying to say is actually a a, a trope, but it's true. It is. You you know, and so you've you've got a couple ones in there, Mm -hmm. you know, with, you know, the atypicals and with the science fiction and the corporation and the government. Um, in that car ride, did you start thinking about that when you were thinking about just Sam and, and Dr. Bright and these and Chloe, you were coming up with the characters? Mm-hmm. Um, did, 
or did you write as you go once you started hearing your cast's voices and seeing like, oh, I'm totally starting to understand Chloe more because of the way your actress is doing it? Or the, yeah. You know? Yeah, I, I think it was definitely a mix of both. I mean, I had kind of a clear idea of what I wanted to do plot-wise and sort of had been thinking down the line of like, okay, what's the larger picture here? How many of these people are there? You know, how do they exist and move about in the world? Um, but Dr. Bright as a character changed pretty significantly once Julia was in the room. Yeah. Because I had written her in the first nine episodes. Like, you know, you, you don't really know what her motivations are. You know that there's something kind of dicey going on. And I don't know that the, that the AM, which is kind of the, you know, government – creepy government organization. Well, I'm that, glad that you said that because I've been kind of like tap dancing. I'm not sure what I should say because I don't want to... Yeah, you find out, you know, I think some somewhere in the middle of like episode f- maybe 14 or mm-hmm. something you find out about it. Um, but it's, you know, there's I, I think there's like sort of a supposition that, you know, Dr. Bright is not the only therapist who does this kind of stuff or not right. the only person who knows about these people. Yeah. Um, and so I sort of had the idea that like, okay, maybe she used to work for something that... Mm-hmm. Um, that deals with these people, but she was initially supposed to be much more of a villain than she is. Um, she was sort of supposed to be a little bit more manipulative and a little bit worse intentions than she ended up being. Got it. Um, and it's sort of the intentions that you find out about sort of why she's, particularly with Sam, why she gets so excited about Sam's ability and kind of the I love mistakes. that discovery when you found, like, I, I, I won't say, I, in case my listeners haven't heard it, I really think you guys should listen to this. But I love the discovery of why she's excited about Sam. And you're right. It gives you a whole new way to think about Dr. Bright once yeah. you find that out. And that... you say, how would I do Yeah, how, what would I do? Yeah. And that I had known, but I, I, yeah. I didn't sort of give Dr. Bright as much nuance as I think that now she has. And then Julia got into the room and was... You know, like, oftentimes, as the therapist, Dr. Bright doesn't really get to express very much emotion. She's kind of just sort of being very clinical the entire mm-hmm. time. And Julia has the capacity to do this thing where... And, you know, I always... We're always, like, goofing off in the recording booth because I'll, like, give an actor a note that's, like, fairly clear. And then I'll tell Julia, like, okay, so you're you're bitter, but you're also um, excited. And then you're... But you're also trying to get this thing from this person. And um, you're also, you know, have this sense of affection. And so do all of it. But then you're Dr. Bright, so you can't actually show any emotion. <laughs> and I give her these insane notes that, like, nobody that, you know... Or, it's me at my worst kind of directing and then she does it that's great <laughs> and it's yeah. and so she just took all of this stuff um from from the first and nine doing scripts. it as a voice actor no less yes exactly that's, that's the Where only you can't see yeah, anything yeah. that's happening on her face and it's just remarkable so she had all of this stuff you know kind of like the, the duck that's on the, that looks serene uh-huh. on the surface and then the legs are, are working furiously underneath she had that quality in her voice in the first nine yeah. episodes and I just thought oh man this woman is way more interesting than or, or way more layered than I was giving her credit for. I thought she was just sort of trying to manipulate these people into getting something that she wanted, but she actually cares for them. She actually mm-hmm. kind of has these other other motivations at play. And that doesn't make her a good therapist. <laughs> doesn't yeah. make her a good person, but, it, you know, it, it makes her really dynamic in a exactly. way. That, yeah. it, exactly. Because, you know, I mean, I, it, the way it's written... There are times where you can possibly think of her as the hero, and there are times where you're like, no, she's not the hero. Why is she doing that? You know, it's yeah. very, it's very complex. You know, and her relationships with her patients, mm-hmm. you know, and how that progresses is 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 very complex and very satisfying as well. Um, and you also, whether you knew it or not, I'm sure you know it now. But when you're writing it, you know, you, you talked about your anxiety, mm-hmm. which is very apparent in yeah. Sam. So, I mean, as a person with anxiety issues, either. Uh, also, 
uh, when you listen to it, you're like, that's truthful, that's truthful, which is very important in storytelling. Yeah. But there's also a lot of other stuff, you know, um, there's, there, there, there's pride. Like I think Chloe sometimes has a little bit, you know, oh, she does, yeah. you know she's got a little <laughs> too much pride because um, she thinks she's helping. Well, right. By finishing I mean, your conversation for you. Exactly. You or know? by, by I mean, yeah, she is, she's a character that, I mean, because yeah. mind reading to me is always the ability that that's the, that'd be the worst thing to have. Yeah. Particularly if you can't turn it on and off. And it's like, Chloe is always well-intentioned. Yeah, she thinks that's that she's it's, helping. Yeah. And it's not, it's not okay a yeah. lot of the time. Yeah. Whereas yeah. Dr. Bright is doing things that are not okay, but she sort of knows they're not okay. Exactly. And Caleb too, you know, going yeah. through... With hormones, you know, being mm-hmm. such a young guy and, and and everything, sometimes he just goes like from zero to sixty. Yeah, but you believe it because it's like, yeah, I remember my little brother. You know, <laughs> exactly. and I, 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 I well, remember I remember that. feeling that way. Like, <laughs> exactly, one thing would make me fly off the handle. And... You know, but you're also talking about sensitive stuff where he's, you know, talk, thinking about his sexuality mm-hmm. and 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 he has feelings for another uh, young student named Adam. You know, and you do a really good, delicate job in Thank handling you. that. But you know what they all have in common, which I find very interesting, is that they're also all lonely. Yes. Yeah. You know, no matter what, how confident they may feel at times, they're also, whether it's because of their abilities or whether it's because of Dr. Bright's job and yeah. everything. And, and I think, you know, I think everybody walking on the street that you look at has tackled that feeling yes. of loneliness. Yeah. And that's something people can really Yeah. And particularly to. if you've ever struggled with mental illness. It's yeah. like... Even even if you have the understanding of like, I know that there are other people out there who have panic attacks. I know there are other people out there mm-hmm. who have social anxiety, mm-hmm. but this is so isolating. Like it just it makes it so hard to connect to other people and to, to to relate. And so I think you know whether it's anxiety or depression or any or your sexuality. I mean, which isn't a mental illness thing, but which can be very isolating because of how because society, of how society works. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, yeah, I mean, society we we're not good about talking about mental health, and we're getting better about talking about sexuality and gender mm-hmm. and and those struggles, but. We're certainly not perfect, mm-hmm. and so you can feel like you're the only person in the world, and and that's, yeah, that was definitely something I wanted to, to examine with like these abilities and sort of like how how isolating it actually would be to have this power that you don't know anybody else has. Mm-hmm. Do you ever go to sleep at night and you just have these characters talking to each other in your head? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I do. It's funny. I was I was at some sort of event or panel or listening to maybe a podcast and people were talking about how they would sometimes dream about their characters or dream in character and that's never happened to me I don't me neither it happens to my husband does it oh he'll wake up and he'll say I have to tell I I have to tell you and I need you to remember this and I'm like you should write it down after 20 years of marriage I'm like why don't you because I need you to hear it you know, yeah, but I don't think that way either. No. And and I, and I dream vividly in every night. I've I've always been a dreamer. Um, but no, I don't dream about my characters, but they're constantly in my brain and they're constantly, I mean, this is where the iPhone voice memo app has become very useful for me (laughs) is that like, I'll be in my car or somewhere and I'll just pull out and and I'll, I'll, I've I've sort of acted out as each character, you know, in, in the course of writing and stuff. So there's hundreds of voice memos on my phone of just me like pretending to be Caleb or pretending to be Dr. Wright and just sort of going through their dialogue out loud as they're talking in my head. Do you, um, since you've written every episode, do you uh, bring ideas up with your cast or do you like to present it to them as a surprise? Um, a little bit of both. Um, there's definitely been some stuff that has been a surprise to them and that I'll sort of say like, oh, like this thing is coming up and you know, and, and sometimes there's been some stuff that I've sort of like worn them down the line. Like there's sort of 
the end of this season or season right. three, which is going to happen in June. There's so you prepared them big, Yes, I've prepared yep. them. Uh, well, now they've seen the scripts, but I sort of talked to them about yeah. it beforehand. Um, but then, you know, sometimes, like, because we're all friends and because we record in my apartment, you know, it's like, yeah. we'll, like, kind of finish recording and we'll just, like, hang out. Oh, and oh, yeah. And um, the whole sort of finale of our second season, episode 24, where a bunch of things kind of happen and go wrong, and it's one of our bigger episodes, um, was largely out of a conversation I had with Charlie Ian, who plays mm-hmm. Damien. Mm-hmm. And I initially kind of had a, a, there were sort of supposed to be two different plot lines at the end of season two. There was kind of the main Dr. Bright Sam one, and then there was sort of supposed to be a different plot line that Damien would have been a part of. And then I was I was talking to Charlie, and, and it just sort of, he had this idea and kind of threw out this idea about what Damien does at the end of that season. And I was just, it fit in so well with what I already yeah. had planned that I just ran with it. Um, and and it wasn't, that's great because it wasn't, it was a surprise. It wasn't predictable. And it was like, oh, crap. Yeah. And it was, it was like, I, to me too yeah, when he sort yeah. of said like, oh, well, what if Damien did this? And I was like, okay. Yeah. And I felt lucky. <laughs> I felt super lucky because I had been binging these. You know, so, so you like, have to wait. I, yeah, <laughs> you know, I was like, oh my god, I feel bad for anybody that had to, to had to wait to see what was. Going yeah, to by the time we came back for season three, people were like really chomping at the bit. Well, um, speaking of that, I mean, people have talked about the bright sessions on Reddit. I mean, come on, yeah, you have arrived. <laughs> if it people does. are trying to figure out your show on Reddit, yeah, and there's fan art, and there's all. Oh, that must have really been like, holy cow! It was so so. I am such a fangirl and such a like I actually one of the hobbies that I've sort of had that that I, I'm still doing I'm just not doing it with any frequency because I'm, I'm so busy um, is I have a YouTube channel called according to Tumblr where I talk about TV shows and books and movies um, and try to explain what the plot of the thing is based on Tumblr tags alone I love it it's so much fun to do and that's it's a great idea <laughs> thank you. Um, it started because I had been um, I, I've been on Tumblr for you know like eight or nine years and I just kept saying stuff about Supernatural. Mm-hmm. And I, I sort of, it, it's a show that Tumblr's so obsessed with, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, and to I, say the least. Yeah, to yeah, say the yeah. least. It is the show that Tumblr's obsessed <laughs> with. Sort of the big, the big main, main one. And then I finally was like, you know what? It's, got, it's been added to Netflix. I'm going to actually watch this show. And so I watched the first couple of episodes and I was like, this is not what Tumblr sold it, it as. This is a very different show. And I like it, but it's like, it's just so different from my perception. And I was like... This is interesting. The fact mm-hmm. that like the, what I was getting from the fandom is so different from the show, right? And both are sort of equally interesting, interesting and yeah. dynamic. And so I sort of did this video where I was like, "Here's what I think Supernatural is about, based on what I've seen on Tumblr for the oh, past I'm five years." Have to check that out because that that that's fascinating. That's yeah, fa- I would say the same thing about um, like I'm a huge like diehard Star Trek fan, mm. and um, by the time I got around to Tumblr. Um, I followed anything that had to do with Star Trek. Yeah. And, and there's this whole Deep Space Nine thing about DS9 love interests that if I had <laughs> started, like what you're saying, yeah. paying attention, I'm going to watch this show because of Tumblr. And I watched DS9, I would have been like, ah, oh, that's not what I was... That's not... It's still pretty darn good. Yeah. But it's not what I was expecting. I know, the ships that I've become invested in, just oh, the Tumblr posts, yes. and then I'll go and watch the show and I'll be like, wait, this ship isn't canon. <laughs> And then, you know, that's the funny thing because uh, we did a, um, a Best Couples episode for Booze and Phasers nice. and, and on DS9, they, uh, it's very famous. Shipping wasn't even a term yet. I think right. they were still calling it uh, uh, slash fiction at the time. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, where they, they shipped uh, this character named Garrick and Dr. Bashir. Mm. And so we were talking about that 
And everybody's like, oh, really? They weren't together? Um, and the fan response to that episode of Booze and Phasers, well, if you look at this episode, you will see that they looked at each other a certain way in that episode. Yep. It's like, I don't think it was directed that way. I think people picked up on it that yeah. way. It's awesome. Good for yeah, you. Absolutely. Like, That's a great thing about art. Find what you can relate to in art. Like, it's, it's, it's all about interpretation. It's yes. your own interpretation. Yeah. But it's it's fantastic. It's like, then I looked up what the actors thought, and the actors yeah. were just like, no, that's but that's awesome. Not but what we're trying not, to do, but okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and I just I so I have sort of become like a hobbyist fandom scholar, yeah. where it's like it's just one of the things that I love observing, and I I love just like the transformative fandom, like yeah. fan fiction and fan art. I think it's so incredible. And so one of the things that I was thinking about in making a podcast, I was like, oh, you know, it'd be really cool is that if like we never really confirm what anybody looks like and to see what fan arts fan arts come up with. And it was sort of like this lofty mm-hmm. dream of like maybe one day we'll have somebody yeah. making fan art. And then I remember so vividly, it was like 11 p.m. on a Friday night. I was scrolling through Instagram and like I, I was just searching the Bright Sessions on a whim, just thinking uh-huh. maybe anybody might be posting about it. And someone had drawn some little sketches of Chloe. And it was the very first fan art that we had. And I'm just so sitting there like cool. just crying over my phone. Cause I it was, cry too. I think that's because that means you inspired someone that much, exactly, to put their soul into something, into their art. Yeah, to, to, and that 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 that's really cool. Like I'll get I'll get Tumblr asks from people being like, you know, what's your policy on fan fiction and and these things, and yeah. I'm like. Do, like, do it, please. Yeah. Like, we don't read fan fiction because I don't want it influencing the show at all. But, like, I want people to do it. Like, yeah. I absolutely want people to write it because it's exactly, like, the idea that what we make has inspired somebody to make their own thing is, mm-hmm. I think, like, one of the most beautiful things about fandom and about yeah. art. You ever uh, uh, look up uh, the Super Who Morlock stuff? Oh, yeah. Wait, yeah. Super Who Morlock? Murlock. Oh, Murlock. Because it used to oh. be Super Hulock. Hulock, yeah. But it's expanded. There's a whole nother, there's still, still Super Hulock. Uh-huh. But there is now Super Who Murloc, and this goes back to your Merlin? origin story. Yeah, uh, did you ever watch the British show Merlin? <laughs> so uh, this is a, another sort of funny fandom story. Um, no, I hadn't really watched it because uh-huh. I remember like catching a, a. I feel like it was maybe on the like right after or before Chuck on yeah. NBC yeah. when it was on like the one season it was on NBC yeah. before moving to Sci Fi, and I caught it and I was like, oh man, like this. I like I don't know that I really like like Merlin Arthur as sort of like contemporaries was really weird to me because uh-huh. I was like no Merlin's like either like a young guy who hasn't met Arthur yet or he's the old dude who like is counseling like kind yeah. of Yoda yeah. to, to yeah. Arthur and so I just like I didn't really buy into the dynamic and then I was on Tumblr and seeing all these things and then I like did a couple of videos on about fan fiction terms and sort of said I haven't read a lot of fan fiction in many many years people send me like your recs of like the yeah. best fanfics and so I got really into Merlin fanfic of really? the show. Of the show before, oh my of goodness. Of the show. And then I was like, I guess I should watch the show. Yeah. So I, I ended up watching it and I'm actually like, it's so funny because in any other iteration of Merlin or Arthurian legend, I am not about this. But when it comes to that BBC show, I am the biggest Merlin Arthur shipper. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm yes. so here for it. That because in the show, they are like so desperately in love. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I didn't. I came to that show through uh, Dragon Con. Okay. Um, where we met. And it was the first year we were doing mm-hmm. uh, my show, Five Truths and a Lie. And my sister and my niece, gosh, what was she, 16 or 17 that time? At that time, and she's she's super smart kid, mm. and uh, she was cosplaying as as Merlin. Amazing, she had a, 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 this little wig, and she looked exactly like him. She was oh. getting, and I didn't know the show, but she yeah. was getting stopped every two feet to take a picture and everything, and 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 that's what made me go. Well, if Maya likes this show, then I probably yeah. will like it too. Yeah, and uh, that's how I got 
Interesting. And are you are you a fan? Like are you? Yeah, are you, yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's I, the thing that I, I think is so funny about Merlin is it's like it's so goofy and earnest and like kind of silly, but I the performances in it like Colin yeah. Morgan is an actor who plays Merlin on the show. Oh, and he's in Humans he, now. I don't know if you watch him. Oh my so god, good. he's so good in Humans, and he yeah. does. And he was in uh, he was in The Fall. The Fall, yes. And he's such a good actor. Oh, he's such a good actor. And Living in the Dead, which is another like, BBC show. Um, or maybe it's Channel 4. I can't remember. But um, And he does an audiobook or like an, a sort of radio play. I think it's Good Omens, the Neil Gaiman um, book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I like... The I BBC one? Yeah, 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 yeah. And like if I like could have like a dream guest for the Bright Sessions, like Colin Morgan, I yeah. could listen to that guy speak all day he's, long. He's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, he's so good. So... um. I, we we are almost out of time, but I still got some questions to ask yeah. you. So, and we still have you still have wine in your glass. <laughs> <Still have> wine. <laughs> so you're gonna, it's hard to drink your wine when you're talking. Exactly. <laughs> um, you you had touched on um, uh, uh, the other podcast and mm. and talking about time traveling and stuff like yeah. that. I actually was really impressed with how you talked about time travel. And when oh, you get you. to there's a certain part where you're talking about Venn diagrams, mm-hmm. and, and 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 then there's another part where it's uh, interdimensional stuff. Um, are you doing research or are you making this shit up? I'm making it up 100%. Yeah. Because you're, you're writing it in a way that I was like, gosh, Lauren must have spent some time looking up that. Nope. That, 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 actually, the time travel is like the one area of the podcast that absolutely no research goes into. Because everything else, it's like, and my, my sister is a psychologist. Yeah. And so she reads all the scripts and kind of spot checks it for therapy stuff. Oh, that's which good. Which is amazing. Yeah, that's good. Um, and then I've been doing a lot. I've done a lot of, lot of research about... Um, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder in soldiers because we yeah. have a sort of ancillary yes, character, Frank, yeah. Frank, who now has become more of a character, but even sort of, it's just a subject I'm fascinated by. So even before he kind of came into the podcast, I really wanted to flesh that out. Um, and like mind reading and thought process, empaths, um, like, you know, mere touch synesthesia. Uh-huh. There's a great Invisibilia podcast episode about that yeah. disorder that's a lot like empathy. But time travel, I, I've enjoyed a lot of time travel shows and, and movies and things like that and books. And... It's always, I just, my brain starts to hurt with all the yeah. time loops. So you released the, yourself from that. Yes. I was like, you know what? She can't affect anything in the past. Yeah. Nobody can see her. Which it, which really fits into sort of the isolating thing. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, I mean, time travel, I think, became the thing. It was initially that maybe she could travel into like books or travel into different kind of like fantasy lands mm-hmm. and things like that. Because that appealed to my sort right. of, you know, uh, oh my God. love for fantasy. There's a book. Uh, uh, have you read the series where somebody can travel into books? No. Uh, wait, wait, is that, um, wait, is that Inkheart? I don't know. The character, the writer or the, I forget the, who, no, the, I forget the, everything. The, it's, it's a woman. Cornelia Fionke or? No, no. So it's a person who, like, you know how there's MI5 and MI6? This mm-hmm. is like, goes up to like MI12 or something oh, like no, that. Oh, no, I don't know this. And, and it's, it's like, oh gosh, I, it has been about 10 years. So if you guys have read it out there, don't get me, don't get mad that I'm saying this wrong. <laughs> but it's. There's like a fiction place where some criminals can hide out in, in like a fiction oh, like or poem. So, yeah. Oh my God. I'll have to look it up and send it to you. I think it's really, it's a really fun book. That I, sounds awesome. It might be a YA, it's about a young lady. So I'm not sure if it's a YA book or which doesn't matter YA. because yeah, I, read, I read so much YA. <laughs> YA more than anything else. <laughs> Me too. Oh, I can't believe I can't remember it, but I will let you know. Please do. Because that sounds right up my alley. And that's kind yeah. of initially what I thought Sam maybe would do because I love books so much. Mm-hmm. And then. I was just sort of thinking about her anxiety and it just was the thing about anxiety and I mean like if you've ever had a panic attack or anybody listening has ever had a panic attack it's sort of this weird out of body out of time but yet you're also trapped in your body and trapped in time and anxiety has a lot to do with you know not being able to be in the present and stuff so I was Mm -hmm. like 
you know, when she has a panic attack, she genuinely cannot be in the present anymore. Yeah. She's literally yanked out. And that just ends up in this cycle of anxiety. Because exactly. she doesn't want to get anxious because she'll go out of time. And that's just going to make her anxious yeah. and go out of time. And she can't come back yeah. to the present until she's, she's calmed come, down. Yeah. And like, and so having her not be able to affect the past or to be noticed in the past and being so isolated ended up being really important for her character. But it also was just 100% laziness of me not wanting yeah. to work out timelines. Well, I mean, I, it's it's... That's great. That's a great admission. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Because um, if you had not done that, though, you would have had to delve in to what's going on when she goes back to a yes. certain time period. Exactly. You know, so when she's in um, a trench war in World War yes. One, you would have yeah. had to actually talk about her interactions more than yeah. than, than than you do. So I, I, it's actually a wise choice, but. I'll just say, you sound super legit. <laughs> Great. I'm when so you're talking happy to about it. it, yeah, it works. <laughs> it, 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 it totally works. We pulled it off. You pulled it off. <laughs> um, well, thanks so much for telling me about all your process and where are you, what are you feeling right now? So, what's the future of the Bright Sessions right now? You, you just released episode 33. <sighs> mm hmm. And you're here at a yes. convention, and yeah. I don't think the convention thing is going to stop for you for a little while. I hope not. Yeah. I, uh, I, uh, you know, we got contacted by Emerald City Comic Con, and if anybody who runs a convention is listening, we're happy to do more. Yeah. Uh, it's, I'm still, like I said, like very new to sort of the convention circuit, so I, I yeah. navigating all of it is, is pretty new. But I, I would love to do more, and I, I'm doing. Um, not a not a comic convention, but um, in October uh, there is this. Um, work at Women in Podcasting Festival that's taking place actually in LA this year. It's WNYC's um, Women in Podcasting Festival. And so I'm talking about audio fiction in that. And I'm really yeah. excited for that because I'm, I'm you know, really gung-ho about podcasting being such a great place for women. I mean, like, and you're yeah. you're one of, like, the, you know, pioneers of that oh, in terms geez, of, like, you, you know, <laughs> geek culture. Yeah. And it's so important. And, and it's the, the barrier for entry is... I think much easier for yeah. um, marginalized people because you can just go in and make your own thing. You don't have to wait for somebody to yeah. you know, open the door for you. Um, but I mean, right now we're, you know, we're wrapping up season three, and and I I already have I do everything in Evernote, not all my like show bible and season planning stuff. So I've already got my season four Evernote going, yeah. um, which will probably premiere sometime in the fall. And then um, there's maybe some other potential for Bright Sessions Universe stuff in other mediums. That's um, cool. Yeah. That's so, cool. Are uh, you, um, so you, you, you just mentioned season four. Um, are you playing it by ear right now or do you have a set ending? Like this will end with season five or this will end or you've just seen. Um, it's, it's a little oh. bit of both. I know it's been my answer to a lot of things, but I do kind of, I think, you know, one thing that I've really enjoyed about the fact that like we don't have to book a studio and the fact that we record in my apartment it can be kind of loose is that sometimes we'll record an episode and then that affects an episode that's written down the line that's already written yeah. but then I can change you know kind of recording things as we go and writing things as right. we go is providing me a lot of flexibility so even if I know the target that I'm aiming for I can choose a different way right. to get there and so I have that with the end of the podcast where I have an idea of like I think you know being a fan of like the X-Files and Battlestar Galactica and Twin Peaks, there's definitely a certain awareness of like, I don't want to overstay my welcome and I don't want to start spinning my wheels. Um, right, right. So I kind of have an idea. Um, but even even sort of the end point that I've been seeing, I know it's going to take me longer to get there than just because of things that have happened this season than I initially thought. And then also I have a bunch of sort of side 
stories in the bright sessions that I would love to do in podcast form that would not be restricted by the sort of found footage format that we have. Is that what you mean uh, about the bright sessions universe? Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, exploring some of the like other characters, just like staying within that universe and having some of those characters, but kind of doing a different, I a think different that's a, podcast. That's a great. I think that's that's absolutely fantastic. I mean, a lot of um, uh, hell, you can you know, look in Star Wars canon and yeah. the, the novels that do very very well, and the comics that do very very well. You know, like before the Force Awakens, before the Force, it's called Before the Awakening that they released mm. with the Force Awakens, where. Um, it was in the universe. It's canon, yeah. and you got to find out more about Poe Dameron. Right. You got to find out more about Finn, which Finn's story was actually the most fascinating to see how he got, a, you know, what he was feeling as he was a stormtrooper. Oh, before. yeah. And what, you know, you, you find out, um, and if you haven't seen Force Awakens, then sorry. If I spoil like, anything, what are you doing? It's what so are good. you doing? Um, <laughs> like one of the stormtroopers he ends up killing mm. in one of the battle scenes yeah. is, is in this story oh wow and so he's basically so you realize that he he killed his friends oh my gosh oh you know so you've seen it from other people's perspectives yeah it's so you know wonderful and also like i don't know if you ever read ender's game oh yeah and and uh, got into that world did you read all four like i know i, I, I basically four. just read ender's game and so there's three more books that follow ender's game mm. and it's kind of um Interesting for the reader to see if they're going to stick with it because mm. it's a kind of different style of writing and it's it's when Ender is um, older. What is that noise? I'm picking up on my headphones. There's something <laughs> so going on outside. The, something uh, something's going on. There's a party in this hotel, guys. <laughs> um, so it's it's a different kind of um, storyline than that action pack okay, when he was cool. a kid. But then in Ender's Game, he had that friend named Bean. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There's a whole series of books on Oh, Bean. really? Yeah, yeah. And so... If you become a fan of a universe, you just want to, sometimes you don't want to leave it. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's where we're all at right now, where it's like, we're all, and I'm so, I I can never express my gratitude enough for the fact that my actors are as invested in it as I am. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're just, they're so here for it and they are so involved with building the characters that I think we all don't necessarily want to leave these characters. But I definitely am feeling a little (laughs) fenced in by the fact that all of the you know, we've kind of set up in the bright sessions that all the recordings have to be in universe, and we are stretching that to the very end of believability right. this season. But I would love to sort of do another podcast in universe where it's sort of just like you're here, don't worry about it. You're listening to these things. It's not, right. you know, we're just sort of. It's like a TV show where you're not asking why a camera's there. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, and that's the great thing about this is that you can make the rules for your universe, exactly. for your world, and, yeah. and go from there. Well, I gotta tell you, I'm a fan. Thank, Thank you so, you much, so for, much for coming over uh, to oh. my hotel room <laughs> happy to <laughs> and it's uh, super encouraging to hear about your process thank you it really is and that you had an idea you did the work and you know it took a while to get started but yeah. here you are I mean you came up what well, gosh with, with 2013-14 you had the idea 14 yeah yeah and here we are in 2017 I know congratulations yeah so don't get discouraged anybody out there who's who's making art just keep doing it um tell my listeners who have not listened to the bright sessions yes. yet uh where to find it sure thing. also where to find you on social media yes so you can just go to thebrightsessions.com and from there you can find all of our social media, we're at Bright Podcast on Twitter and then basically Bright Sessions everywhere else. And then I am at laurenchippen.com and at laurenchippen on everything except for Tumblr, at which I am <laughs> the laurenchippen.tumblr.com. So, but laurenchippen.com has all of those links. 
Excellent. Well, thank you so yeah. much, Lauren. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for kneeling the whole time. That was very... <laughs> yes. Well, very... you know, it said I, I'm, a, I'm an instruction follower. So. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I appreciate that. I've got some control issues. Yeah. And um, happy, you did well. Happy to oblige. I, I've got some ointment for your knee. Great. Some biofreeze that's going to help out. Thank you okay, very much. thanks. Supplicants, you may now rise. The merciful odd has chosen to spare you. Please exit the internet to your left. <laughs>